Good morning and welcome to the Jason Institute Hour at Radio Veritas. I'm Pamela Moringa and I'll be standing in for Francis Korea this morning. Uh, we will be talking about the various things this morning. We are going to uh, begin with the pre-recorded interview between uh, Francis Korea and uh, Jero McLaughlin. Uh, he has been in South Africa um helping out uh with uh, helping out the Jesuit institute in uh training the spiritual directors for many years and uh him being in South Africa we took an opportunity to uh get uh to get the information on how he did things and how he held out in the spiritual directing in Scotland and then a little bit later we will be talking about the uh, women abuse Recently, there's been uh, so many reports about around uh, the country where women have been, have been raped and abused uh, by the people close to them. And um, I will have a conversation with Lerato Dube, who is a rape survivor and uh, a very good friend of mine and uh, still on the rape and uh, sexual violence. I will also listen to another pre-recorded conversation between uh, Francis and Anne-Marie Campbell, who is a, a spiritual director at the Jason Institute and also a psychologist. So uh, we are now going to move on to Francis talking to Jero Umag Laughlin about um, the work that he's been doing in South Africa. So, yeah. Jero, welcome to Radio Veritas. Thank you very much. So we know that you're visiting Johannesburg for a little while, but what we'd like to find out a bit about is the work that you've been doing in the United Kingdom and just to talk a bit about the ecumenical work there, I think, to begin and the Epiphany community, if you could tell us a little bit about what that is and the work that you do. Well, I should say, first of all, that although I've lived in the United Kingdom now on and off for 56 years, I am, in fact, a South African-born I was born in Cape Town and uh, went to school at St. Aidan's College in Grahamstown. And even to this day, I am a South African citizen. But I have lived in the United Kingdom for 56 years, and I've lived in Scotland for the last 25 years. I went to Scotland in 1992, and about the time I arrived, there was a request from the Episcopal, that is to say the Anglican Diocese of St. Andrews, for support in training a group of people in spirituality and specifically in Ignatian spirituality. So that's where my ecumenical engagement began, although the courses we were running also in the retreat house outside Glasgow and in Edinburgh, they also were attended by members of the different traditions, Anglican, Presbyterian, some Baptists and so forth. But my engagement in those first years was largely with the Anglican community, both in St. Andrews and then after two-year training course there, I moved on to do a training course in the Diocese of Aberdeen and Orkney, which is a little further to the north. Hmm. And I know at about this time you helped form a group of directors who have become known as the Epiphany Group, and if you could just tell us a bit about them. Yes, how that arose was my sense that since the Catholic population was based largely in the west of Scotland and the retreat house that I spoke about, Craighead Retreat House or 
Cricket Spirituality Centre was known, was just outside Glasgow. It was my view that people in the Catholic community who wanted to uh, work in the ministries that come out of the spiritual exercises could, if they felt they needed help, go to that uh, spirituality centre. But this was obviously less true for the people who had been trained in Edinburgh and in Perth and in Aberdeen. So there began to form in my mind the idea that there should be a self-supporting group formed out of the people who had done the spiritual exercises and also had done the training. And with that in mind, in the early months of 1999, I invited a number of people to come together to reflect about this. And broadly speaking, they were uh, supportive, not entirely, I have to say. Some people didn't see the the need for it. But that meeting was held on the 6th of January in 1999, the Feast of the Epiphany, and that is where the name came from. I suppose I could say I had prepared a bit for that by running, first of all, from uh, 1977 to, uh, sorry, 1997 to 1998, a training course on giving the spiritual exercises, and then from 1998 to 1999, a training course on supervision. The Epiphany Group actually began life in the year 2000, um, when I was abroad. And since I'd known that I was going abroad, I asked a member of the team at uh, the Craighead Spirituality Center who had been working with us for three or four years by that time, an Anglican woman called Elizabeth South, to direct the formation of what has become the Epiphany Group. Um, I chose her because I knew her to be a particularly competent person, having served for a time as a trustee of the charity Oxfam. And so in the year that I was abroad, and with some support from the British Jesuit province, she began to form the group out of those people who had done the training course on giving the spiritual exercises. And that was its um, its origin, its specific origin. And if you, if you were to think about it now, what do you think are the particular gifts um, or challenges of an ecumenical group of directors? I mean, these happen to be based in Scotland, but really just anywhere in the world, what what would you see as the particular gifts of that kind of a group? Well, I always offer a caution by saying that South Africa is a very different country to Scotland. Um, Scotland is only 5 million people. Um, population in South Africa is nearly 10 times uh, as large as that. And it seems to me that the religious texture in South Africa, with the many community churches that have grown up, is very different to Scotland. I think it's also very different to Scotland because South Africa remains a very religious country. Whereas of the five million people uh, in Scotland, I would think probably only a million and a half at the very most would consider themselves church-going Christians. What do I think the challenges are? Well, what I do remember is that uh, I think I could say that I personally was quite insistent from the start that there should be criteria for membership of this group. Mm. And the criteria were specifically that people would have done a training in Ignatian spiritual direction, 
Secondly, that they had made the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Thirdly, that they were actual practitioners in spiritual direction. It's not a kind of all-comers group. And that fourthly, they were receiving supervision for the, the work they were doing. Because it seemed to me that if one had those criteria, one had among those people a much better sense of what they were doing and what held them together as a group and that they could support each other, and that they could together involve themselves in extremely useful ministries. seems to be, on the whole, um, rather a paradox to have an Ignatian group that hasn't got some shared common apostolate. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. And over the years, uh, what we developed was a code of practice for this group, which we submitted for scrutiny to, to suitable people, so that now the membership of the Epiphany Group is annual, and members of the Epiphany Group must renew their membership annually. And in doing that, they have to sign an undertaking that both they are receiving supervision for the work they are doing and that they are willing to abide by the code of practice. Okay. That's actually that's very helpful as we think here about how we maintain directors and how we help them. Just, just those, those, those two things of being in supervision and abiding by a code of practice, those are really helpful. And also I like your sense of that a shared apostolate is very important. I'm, I'm kind of quite struck by how in our own evolution we went through a phase where um, we would have people who were involved in ministry and people who weren't, but who kind of wanted to hang on for some reason to what we were doing. And and then it's very difficult to have a common conversation because some people are just interested in Ignatian spirituality, but they're not actually doing the work. And so, I, I think what influenced me was the fact that in the role that I hold in the British Jesuit province, because I'm a member of the British province, I'm not a member of the South African region, in that role, I've been, I think, not responsible for, but um, expected to give some support to a large group that existed around London and the south of England, actually stretching as far north as Birmingham. But one of the difficulties under which that group laboured was that it had started as an all-comers group. Anybody who was even just interested in Ignatian spirituality would be part of that group. And there was never enough uh, focus in the group to develop a common apostolate. And gradually the group get, began to, um, I wouldn't say fragment, but it get, began to diminish in its, its numbers and focus until eventually about four or five years ago we dissolved that group. Okay. And so there you have that real sense that there wasn't a mission, a shared sense of That's mission. That's a good word to use for it, yes. Yeah. There wasn't a sense of mission. Mm. It was just a group of interest. Oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense out of experiences I've had in our context. I want to ask you a, a, a sideways question before mm -hmm. we kind of come to an end, mm -hmm. but it's it's the question about the use of modern media, the use of social media. I know you've been saying that you've been doing some interesting things in Scotland with social media. Um, I wonder if you'd tell us a bit about that. It's a very good question, because although I think one has to have criteria and one has to have um, stable apostolates, uh, in the case of the Epiphany Group, they do run training courses, not only in Edinburgh, but further north in Aberdeen, 
it's necessary to have a balance between that kind of stability and also a certain creativity and a certain investigation of possibilities. And what happened uh, quite recently, in fact, last year, there was a request from Orkney. The Orkney Islands are just to the north of the uh, northern Scottish coast. There was a request there for a week of guided prayer, and three women, two from the Aberdeen area and one from much further south, went and conducted uh, a week of guided prayer. And out of that, there came a request from two people to do the complete training in Ignatian spiritual direction, but they made the point that it would be extremely difficult for them, if not impossible, to go down to Edinburgh or Glasgow uh, to undertake that training, because, of course, in Glasgow there is the Ignatian Spirituality Centre, which is a direct work of the British Jesuit province. One of the women in question, who is the course coordinator for the Epiphany Group, um, Judith Irving, she conceived the idea of developing that, uh, delivering that training course through electronic media. And they are now running a training course, admittedly for only two people, so it's a big investment of time and effort. But they are running that course by means of Facebook and YouTube and Skype. Wow. Not excluding the fact they do have scheduled meetings, rather as the Institute here has the scheduled meetings at LUMCO for the Spiritual Exercises training course. They've been very lucky in the sense that they had the support and interest of um, an Anglican non-stipendary minister who was until recently the head of IT services at the University of Glasgow. Oh, right. But this course will be evaluated. Um, probably in about a year's time, to see what's learned from it and what can be done to develop the use of social media as a way of delivering um, Ignatian training. Well, that I mean, that really speaks into our own context because we have so many far-flung parts of the country um, and we have people coming from really diverse places. Uh, on this last training, you know, we've got people from Cape Town, from as far south as Cape Town and as far north as Gaborone. So there's a real range of, of people coming and coming from places where it's not really cost effective to imagine sending everyone they want to train from Gaborone down to South Africa. They've sent one or two people with the hope that something will happen locally rather than them always having to trek down into South Africa for help. The Epiphany Group has grown slowly. I think because of the criteria, over the last 17 years, the original number of 10 people has grown to no more than 65. Mm. Um, that, of course, is because some people haven't got the opportunity or the time to make the spiritual exercises, so they wouldn't really meet the, uh, the criteria. But I think the group has grown now to the extent that it will have to consider becoming a more federal organization with a group in Edinburgh and a group in Aberdeen and perhaps a group further north. And what has been the coordinating committee for the Epiphany Group may have to become a rather central committee um, directing its its efforts. But that's the group that should hold the responsibility for quality and for criteria and the validation mm. of courses. So that you have a central group who are, who are making sure that what's happening at the peripheries is still... It's coherent. Coherent, and it, yes. And the quality is maintained. And it seems to me that may well be uh, the way that South Africa will go because it's such a big country. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, 
Thank you very much for talking to us about this today. Well, thank you for inviting me and the blessing of God on all your work. Thank you. That was Francis talking to Gerald McLaughlin on his visit to South Africa recently. He talks about his long involvement in helping training the, and maintaining the spiritual directors um, groups in the world. And um, well, I also find it very interesting that nowadays people will be able to do uh, trainings like the weeks of guided prayers uh, through the social media using Facebook and Skype as a way of um, delivering the ignition praying ways. Um, I myself, I think I might uh, take a, uh, a little bit of time to, to just maybe uh, be part of that because l- uh, l- lately I've been learning more about uh, the ignition ways and uh, its original, uh, its origin. And uh, in doing so, I came to uh, learn about things you know, about uh, about things like finding God in everything that we do, and that God desires to be in a relationship with all of us. As uh, many of us can know that I'm still new to the Institute and uh, I'm coming from a charismatic uh, background and, well, coming here at the Jesuit Institute really introduced me to a different uh, side of Christianity while I'm considering doing the, 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 the online exercises as well. That will also help in deepening one's relationship with God. So, um... Now we'll be uh, listening to a song and considering uh, today is Ascension Thursday. So we are going to listen to a piece of music by Dan Schatz of um, St. Louis Jesuit. The song is titled City of God. <laughs> 